Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Uh, first, I want to thank my House Republican colleagues for just designating me as the speaker. Obviously, we still have work to do. We're going to have to go upstairs on the House floor and resolve this and then get the House opened again. We have a lot of work to do, uh, not just in the House for the people of this country, but we see how dangerous of a world it is and how things can change so quickly. Uh, we need to make sure we're sending a message to people all throughout the world that the House is open and doing the people's business. That is Steve Scalise. A behind-the-closed-doors vote where he gets 113 votes of the Republicans. Jim Jordan gets 99. He's the designee for Speaker. And then they call the vote. Boom! 3 p.m. Eastern on the House floor, except he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. Lauren Boebert will still vote for Jim Jordan. Thomas Massey has stated he's a no vote on Scalise. Chip Roy coming out saying that he will not vote for Scalise on the floor and is disgusted that they scheduled the vote for 3 p.m. Like we said, what made us think that these people were going to be one and done and show, look, we're not a bunch of weirdos. I still don't know why they voted out McCarthy. You didn't have a plan. I said that then, and I got yelled at. What kind of plan did you expect them to have? What kind of plan did you want them to have? Well, a better plan than this. That's for damn sure. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Meanwhile, the markets had themselves a very, very interesting day. Or they should say, should say it's still happening. Because the producer price index was up 5%. Which means what it is that it costs to make the goods that you buy. Oh, the goods? Those rose 0.9%. Anybody think inflation is done? Anybody think that the interest rates aren't going to go up? Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. 0.5% kid, the uh, the estimate was 0.3. This is about what it is that the manufacturers are putting into inventories. There's less inventory and it costs them more. I have that right? You are 100% correct. It costs more. They have less. What did this report signal to you? Well, it signaled that in that fight that we've been discussing for a long time, that Biden is winning, that when he proposed a budget this year, which is a two trillion dollar deficit budget, he said, I want to create inflation. And Jerome Powell saying we'd like to stop the inflation. And in this particular round of the boxing match, Biden is winning. And the point five number. Yes, it came in higher than expected. But you already did this. You stole my my thunder. Because if you dig into it, the goods are the stuff you buy. That's 0.9. I think anybody here can multiply 1 by 12 and get almost 12% a year for the stuff you buy. The services was only 0.3. But here's the issue. The services is the money you get paid. So apparently your wages are going up slowly, but the stuff you buy is going up 
fast. That is the deadly combination inside this report that's even worse than the headline number. Yeah, this this number is not getting major play, of course, because of what's going on in Israel with the attack by the terrorist Hamas. Of course, as we were talking, uh, alluding to earlier, the conversation regarding Speaker of the House. But the Dow did not explode in any one direction or or an, another. How do markets absorb this kind of information? Well, the markets already saw this coming. This This isn't news. I mean... Yes, it's worse than was expected, but everybody is under the impression, especially when Jamie Dimon made his statements and the Fed has made their statements, inflation is here, or I mean, high interest rates are here until inflation is tamed. And no one thinks it's going to be tamed soon because deficits keep happening and Republicans haven't been able to stop it. And there's one other thing that's important to understand. This PPI is a leading indicator. So that's an indicator of what we're going to be paying in the future. This is what the retailers are paying their wholesalers. That is a scary thought because this number has been this high, higher, for three months in a row now. Three months in a row. That's not the right direction. It's supposed to be getting lower, not higher. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, the interest rate conversation, as we take a look at things like the 10-year treasury, we utilize that as the, the benchmark, and we say to ourselves, what does this tell us about where 30-year fixed mortgages are going to be? It is at 4.613 as I speak to you. Now, this is lower than the highs we were seeing at the 4.8s and the 4.88s. This could make one think that, you know what, it's just going to moderate here and it's going to be fine. Does the producer price index, the cost of production of the actual goods that we then buy, does that put pressure on this 10-year Treasury note conversation? No, no. It's, it's, it's doing nothing. The, the 10-year Treasury is fluctuating. It's inverted because of a coming recession that the market is forecasting. So... It, what concerns me more is the short-term rates. Is that what's fluctuating? Is that going up? Because the 10-year the is just a byproduct at this point because the Fed is fighting inflation. So they're concerned about the short-term rates, not the long-term rates. If I take a look at short-term rates, I take a look at where do I have this? I, somewhere, I, have, a, I have a U.S. Treasury one month. Do I want to even look at a one month or should I look at a one year? Which one? Look. Six month or one year. All right, I, I can I can find a six month. There it is, a six month Treasury bill. Is that what I'm looking at? Is that what I'm looking at right there? Yep. I'll do that. Uh, five point five four. Five and a half go. percent is what that's paying out. Oh jeez. Can I cry now? I don't know. I, will, will it will it help? Uh, no. So no. when you so so this is what you're talking about here. You're saying don't so much worry about uh, the ten year number. Take a look at these short term ones. The six month rate is five and a half percent, and this tells you what it tells me. It tells me that the Fed is still going to have to fight inflation. The rate is still going to be high, and that it's still inverted. The ten year number doesn't concern me as much as the ten year inversion. It's still about a one percent below the six month rate. That's not good. That's still a forecast of, of recession by the economy. They're telling us, I'm not giving you a prediction. I'm just telling you that's what the market is forecasting at the moment. That's not a good thing. Forecasting recession and actual recession, both bad. People should write that down. It's going to be on the test next week.
talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. In, in For anybody who thinks that spending will get under control, uh, the, the war in Israel, uh, the attack from Hamas, the terrorist organization, on Israel, the murder of a thousand Israelis, this is not going to help our spending issues. The spending is going to continue, and Congress, regardless of whoever the speaker is, is going to say yes. I, I guess the the wrong question is, how does this affect us? And the answer is spending is spending, even if you think it's for a good and, and proper cause. Uh, I guess the, the, the question would be, do markets somehow view a spending in a war differently? Or can this spending, maybe better said, bring about some result that's, that that has a value. I, I mean, it sounds awful. I don't mean it in the awful sense, but rather I'm trying to understand maybe is, is there a different economic reality depending on where the spending is? It, it does matter. The market is going to have a different reaction to each situation. So what you'll have is the government spending more money will have a negative reaction, but the production of arms and things that are sold for the, you know, running of the war will have a positive impact. So those companies, you know, Raytheon that, and Boeing and, you know, name the other companies that produce goods and services for military industrial complex, they're going to benefit from this. Um, but there's, there's a lot more to it. We, we could shut this thing down tomorrow if Biden, well, I shouldn't shut it down tomorrow, but he could significantly impact this war if he would just reimpose the sanctions that he stopped enforcing under the Trump put in place and if you put a few other things in place that I'd love to t- talk about that would work in harming the person that's funding the war, which is Iran. This brings us to the conversation about sanctions and that it's, it's very obvious that we throw around the word sanctions like everybody knows what everybody's talking about. But the truth is very few people know what it actually means. Describe, if you would, first define the very idea of what sanctions are. Well, a sanction is an economic penalty that you put on a country to try to influence their behavior. And since Hamas and Hezbollah are financed money, they buy weapons with cash that they get from Iran, we need to cut off that spigot. And there's a lot of things we could do that this administration refuses to do. Why don't we shut off the SWIFT system? Why don't we say, Iran, you can't do banking anywhere in this world? That'll dry up the cash overnight. Why doesn't he reimpose the oil sanctions that, that Trump put in place? They've collected $35 billion in cash over two years because Biden has relaxed and not enforced the oil sanctions. It's as if he gave them $35 billion. Forget the $6 billion recently. $35 billion over the last two years by not enforcing oil sanctions. We could cut off the supply of cash tomorrow. So the, the, the sanctions are an economic penalty. And you're questioning why is it that we don't kick Iran off of the the SWIFT system? That is a banking system by which uh, routing numbers and account numbers are are moved and utilized in order to be able to move dollars. That is stating that without this, somehow there isn't another way for Iran to get paid, which I don't actually uh, agree with. But the the 
question for you is, is is this a subject that ever gets broached, this idea of taking them off the SWIFT system, which I've heard others uh, mention, and is there a reason that they don't outside of, well, they just haven't made that move yet? Okay, let me first disagree with you regarding whether they can still get the cash. Russia has gotten away with it because of two things. They have gold, which they can physically transfer, and the countries of Saudi Arabia and the UAE have helped them circumvent the system. Let me just tell you something. People know this, or maybe they don't know it. Saudi Arabia, UAE, Turkey, they're Sunni Muslim. Iran is Shia Muslim. Trust me, those countries have helped Russia. They're not going to help Iran circumvent the SWIFT system. There is almost nowhere that Iran can turn for their cash if we squeeze them on the SWIFT system. They can get some money, but we will shut that spigot off and they'll be using it domestically instead of exporting it for terrorism. What is the downside of engaging the the shutoff of SWIFT? Well, I mean, yes, business people like cash. They like Iranian cash. I hope that people in this country will say, we will turn away Iranian cash because we are more concerned about stopping the slaughter of civilians in Israel. I would hope they would stand up for what's right and moral and use your economic power to do so. Yellen, you know, the second part of your question, you know, has the administration considered this? Yellen in a speech yesterday said, quote, I'm not ruling out sanctions on Iran. What a weak comment. You're not ruling them out. You should have rolled out a whole bunch of sanctions rather than relaxing them for the past two years. This is insane what this administration is doing to not fight the war on terror. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Let's go back to the producer price index number. Uh, We're then going to see a consumer price index number. We're going to see what it is that people are are paying. Are there any expectations of what's going to come? Well, I don't make predictions, but I will. Yes, we've had three very high months of PPIs. We've had shrinking inventories. I anticipate that the inflation number will be uh, not in check. It will be higher. I don't can give you an exact number, but it will be higher than is anticipated, and it will reflect that we are not having inflation under control. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm I'm totally with you there. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. We kind of break it down. That's how it's been broken down and, uh, and how we see why the deficit has increased. Again, this is decades and decades, uh, if you think about it, of trickle-down economics that just doesn't work. Uh, didn't take long for Corinne Jean-Pierre to not get it right. The deficit is up because of trickle-down economics. That's Yeah, I'm done with her. Tony Katz! Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. On this speaker vote, my sources are telling me there are at least five no votes. One, two, three, four, five. Five no votes as the Republicans gathered behind closed doors to say our choice is Steve Scalise, 113 votes to Jim Jordan's 99. But Chip Roy is a no. Thomas Massey is a no to Scalise. Lauren Boebert 
is a no. Yeah, this is going to be ugly. And they're going to get there and vote and very possibly not have it on vote number one. Very possibly not have it. Now, I've seen some people circulating uh, this this idea that, uh, you know, Steve Scalise, man, he deserves it. I mean, he took a bullet for his party. You know, Steve Scalise got shot when that Bernie supporter, that progressive, decided to kill all the Republicans and went to the uh, baseball practice as they prepare for a congressional baseball game, fundraiser, and uh, started shooting. And if it wasn't for the fact that Steve Scalise was in Republican leadership and therefore was assigned a Capitol Police escort, there would have been nobody there to fire back. Funny. When you fire back, you have an opportunity. When you fire back, you have an opportunity. In Israel, they are changing regulations right now, uh, not only uh, to create a unity party, and there's a very specific reason for that, I'll get into it, but to allow the citizenry to own a firearm. Yes, they have uh, forced military service in Israel, something that I oppose. But they also don't allow for individual ownership of a firearm. That's going to change. That is going to change. Because if the people at that celebration in the desert had firearms, the situation would have been much different. Wait. Nope, take that back. The situation could have been much different. Things are different. When you have the ability to fight back, things are much different when you have the ability to fight back. That is very important. That lesson matters greatly. And we should be clear that the gun grabbers, the anti-Second Amendment zealots out there who keep screaming that somehow we'll all be safer without guns. We watched what happened in Israel and the answer is no, we're not. No, we are not. We are not safer. So you could take that gun-grabbing nonsense of yours, and you can just put that somewhere. You sound ridiculous. I'm speaking very personally to anybody who wants to take it personally. You sound crazy. Your answer to how to keep me safe is less rights. Let the government do it. Trust them. You know, when uh, uh, seconds count, the police are just minutes away. That's not even an anti-police screed. Those are just facts. You should always have the ability to protect and defend yourself. Certainly in your place of worship. Any rabbi, priest, imam, faith leader who says don't bring a gun to this place of worship should be fired. How worthless. They want you to be a sitting duck. Shameful. We watched and we saw Meanwhile, changes are happening in Israel right now. I've got those updates coming up. I'm Tony Katz.
So the update on the speaker's race, they're not going to vote today. The 3 p.m. vote, which was supposed to be the vote for speaker, will now be a vote to engage a recess. What? What What the hell is happening? Scalise needed a little more time to get Chip Roy on board, to get Thomas Massey on board. My sources say there are five no votes. If there are five no votes, that's a problem. Maybe he could only handle two. Maybe he wants to get, you know, the idea of a of a of an all-in Republican party. I I don't know. I'm Another day without a speaker, fine. Fine. I I'm I'm still going to sleep good. Tony Katz. <laughs> Sorry, it's just it's it, it at this stage it's comical. Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Uh, As John Kirby was speaking to the press, uh, he let it be known that we're not done dealing with Hamas. I think we all need to steel ourselves for the very distinct possibility that these numbers will will keep increasing uh, and that we may, in fact, find out that um, more Americans uh, are part of the hostage pool. That would signal to me that they know. That they know there are more Americans who have been taken hostage. Which goes back to our conversation earlier, is the U.S. now at war here? Is this boots on the ground time? Um, maybe. Maybe. Then there is the insanity where you have people making the claim, people sent this to me, and and I'm trying to be nice to them. I don't even know why I am. You know, Tony, you keep saying that babies were beheaded by by Hamas, but there's no proof of that. We haven't seen evidence of that. Let me start with uh, the reporter Nicole Zedek. Uh, by the way, uh, producer Jason, finger on the dump button, just to be just to be sure who has been in Israel for I-24 and has been reporting and sharing uh, these stories. Listen. A lot of people are trying to claim that these atrocities didn't happen, uh, that your reporting is untrue. Uh, I want to play a clip for you that has gone viral, and I want you to be able to address it because the truth that you are bringing about what you are seeing is very important, and I want this clip to go viral of you combating a clip saying that you're making up things. Listen to this. I'm not sure if you've officially heard it, but this clip has gone viral. Number one, 40 babies were beheaded. This is completely false. No evidence has been provided for this. The claim comes from this journalist during a walk and talk. She makes the claim saying, I see in the distance more bodies being covered. Babies, their heads cut off. Later in a tweet, however, she admits that she did not see bodies, but heard a soldier talking about it. Nicole, when you hear that, what's your response? It's sickening, really, that people are asking, where are the babies? Why aren't you showing the babies? Is that something that anyone would want to see, first thing, with their own eyes? Because after the graphic images that I saw of just children's beds covered in blood, I don't think I would be able to stomach those atrocities as well. And I think if people actually listen to the full clips, because a lot of times people are using just, just cuts from the different clips, so 40 babies, 40 children 
were carried out on, on gurneys. 40 dead children were found. And a lot of people are saying, babies, 40 babies. Well, how does she know that number? How old are they? And I think that is really, the fact that people are focusing on that, doesn't matter if they're three months old or three years old, six months old, six years old. Six, a six-year-old is someone's baby. So the fact that people are still questioning this, and after we, we have a clip I have on air also, we have these uh, soldiers confirming what they've seen of the mutilation of these children. If we're questioning whether or not Hamas are a bunch of worthless barbarians, I got nothing for you, except uh, you're never getting invited into my house. A thousand people have been murdered by these terrorist scum. You're going to question whether or not they, they killed the babies? You want to see the pictures of the women they raped and then burned alive? You want to see the pictures of the elderly kidnapped? They're all out there. I'm not telling you not to look at them. Go ahead. You think it's made up? You're out of your mind. There comes a moment where you're too conspiratorial to be able to be in public with other people. You don't think it's happening. Everybody knows it's happening. Everybody can see with their own eyes. They get it. They get that there are those people who want to see the conspiracy and everything because they think it's good for clicks. You're not smart. You're just a jerk. And then there's the people who want to act like apologists. One of those people is Andrea Mitchell, who doesn't deserve the job. Andrea Mitchell is terrible. She's awful. She's the worst. And Andrea Mitchell is speaking to a a mother in Israel whose children were kidnapped. And it is heart-wrenching. We now have the the mother back back on with us. Uh, we were going to ask you about what you were saying to your boys. You were trying to keep them calm. Tell us about yeah, that Yeah, I was on the phone to them and then trying to trying to calm them down, saying, you know, the military is going to get there and uh, they're safe and they're in their home. This is what we always tell them. And then at approximately half a eight, they started hearing voices of the door breaking. Um they were with me on the phone and I asked them to be quiet, to stay quiet. They were in the safe room, which is uh, a bedroom of the eldest, uh, who's 16, as I said. Uh, and about 10 minutes later, I could hear people speaking in Arabic outside their door. And they broke in. And the last thing I heard was the youngest, who's 12, saying to them, I'm too young, don't take me. And that was it. That was the last time I heard from them. That made up too? No, we're not going to question that one? Good, good. As long as we're not questioning these things. Andrea Mitchell, MSNBC, continues. I am so sorry. We are all thinking about you. Um, uh, 
Have you heard anything from the government? Uh, no, unfortunately not yet. Well, the army is, is now getting in touch with families, I know, and um, I'm, you know, I'm keeping my hopes up that uh, they're alive and well. Uh, I know that their father and his, uh, his spouse were taken also because uh, we've seen one of the videos. one of the videos that uh, Hamas put on. Uh, so we know that they're alive, and uh, I'm hoping that they're with them. And as they took hundreds of children, babies, women, and elderly people, some of them from the place I live in, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're all together and that they have other people that they know around them to keep them safe and to give them a hug. So that they're all together. And just bring them back home. We can only begin to imagine that horror. But I, I don't know if you have to be a parent to understand to, to to feel it. I got to assume that people who aren't parents can also imagine it. Your 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 kids were taken. You listen to them get taken. This is what happened to Israelis for being Jews. This is what happened to them. With that as the context. Andrea Mitchell goes in for the nonsense. Sorry? I'm, you know, I'm sure you want them to be with people they know so that they're not alone there. But what are your feelings about the, the, the attacks against Gaza right now? Um, how can I the government... Say- what are your feelings about the attacks against Gaza? What... What do, are we trying to now build sympathy for people who live in Gaza? Hamas controls Gaza. Hamas treats the people who live in Gaza like slaves. If you want to call Gaza an open-air prison, that means that Hamas is the warden. Hamas attacked Israel. Hamas killed a 1,000 people. They burned people alive. And yes, freaks, they beheaded babies. They're freaks for doing it, and people question, well, I haven't seen proof of that. Freak as well. And here's Andrea Mitchell to say, yeah, 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 your kids, your kids, your kids, blah, 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 blah. What about the people who live in Gaza? How do you feel about them? And this mom, with poise you and I wish we had. Look, you're looking for a symmetrical situation, and I must say, it isn't. Um... If you were dealing with a a war who is between two countries, countries don't take children hostages. I'm sorry. It's against the laws of war. It's against humanity. It's against anything that we all believe in. Every time we had missiles uh, shot at us, I used to say to my children that they should be sympathetic towards the children of Gaza because they suffer a lot more than they do. I'm not sure I still believe in it now. And I must say, the only worry I have now from uh, the bombings in Gaza is the fact that my children are there. And I can't be sympathetic anymore. I can't be sympathetic to animal human beings. Well, they're not really human beings who came into my house, broke everything, stole everything, took my children from their bedrooms and took them to the Gaza Strip. Israel never done that. 
and will never do. So there is no symmetry. I'm sorry. Do you want the government... I'm sorry for being so emotional. Could you imagine having to apologize for being so emotional? No need to apologize to us, Mom. It's Andrea Mitchell and MSNBC that should apologize to you for being so despicable. For once again trying to figure out a way to say, well, look what the Israelis are doing. I'm happy that there is a fair amount of the country, fair amount of the globe who realizes that Israel may not be doing enough. But as I've stated, uh, especially when we talk about the United States, we've got a problem. Members of Congress who are okay with dead Israelis, okay with wiping Israel off the map, and these college students, these, these college failures, raised to be failures, raised to be awful, raised to be bitter, raised to be angry, raised to be hateful who get into colleges because they all support the same leftist ideology. And now colleges are amazed when confronted with reality, which is the total opposite of their ideology, that the kids are going with the ideology. Oh, a thousand people were killed. Well, you know, their skirt was a little too short. What did you think? They wouldn't get raped? Huh, that's weird. Everybody knows it's their fault. And people are amazed at what's happening at the University of Wisconsin-Madison or at Harvard or at NYU. You know who's not amazed? Us. Because we know these people have been terrible for years. What do you think the free speech conversation has been about? Where college campuses think it's okay to shout down a speaker. It's all about their intolerance. It's all about their hate. But what some people didn't know is that the hate includes... Well, whatever you do to those people, they're not even people. Whatever you do to those people, they deserve it. They're occupiers. They're colonialists. What? Just some other talking point from some random schmo. I will say it again. The colleges need to be held accountable for the nonsense that they teach because they don't. Remember when critical thinking was something that mattered? They don't teach any thinking. They teach rote Respond this way. Utilize your emotions this way. Oh, don't control your emotions. Let them loose. Nobody looks at students and say, you're 18, you don't know crap. Sit down and shut up. You know what, parents? Take this one back. Maybe send us a better kid next time. Eh, we'll do without your money. Nah, nah, just get them in. Indoctrinate them. Move them out. And then they become our doctors and our lawyers. Best of luck getting good health care going forward. Best of luck getting good legal care going forward. Oh, I would I would represent you, but you uh, once said you like Trump. and Well, I can't represent that. That's fantastic. Great job, legal profession. Great job. Honestly, hiring for, and it's, and not every student is like this, but the hiring from NYU, hiring from Harvard, hiring from Columbia, at your own risk, kitten. Colleges owe America an apology, and they need to start doing better. I'm Tony Katz. 
Representative George Santos, who's probably lying about his name, now has new charges against him. Uh, The hits just keep coming. I don't know how he hasn't been expelled yet. But there's so many members now to expel from the House. We'll end up with four people. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 23-count indictment that replaces the one filed in May against him, Republican from New York, charging him with embezzling money from his campaign and lying to Congress about his wealth. Oh, please, everybody does that last one. Everyone. He's being accused of charging more than $44,000 to his campaign over a period of months using cards belonging to contributors without their knowledge. Charging $12,000 to a contributor's credit card and transferred the vast majority of the money into his personal bank account. Falsely reporting to the FEC that he had loaned the campaign 500000 when he never gave anything and had less than $8,000 in the bank. Whew. This guy's a peach. How has he not been removed yet? It's only a matter of time, right? It's only a matter of time. People are brazen, man. Brazen. Meanwhile, there is drama with the speaker. I'll have it tomorrow, everyone. Take care.